You are now listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you with another episode of the Millennial Travel Podcast. And today I'm here with Scott from Scott's Cheap Flights. I'm really excited, but I need to preface. We are so pumped about the reopening of travel, international travel, all the news. This was recorded April 29th, 2021. And I want to preface everything and just make sure everyone knows to check the requirements. What we said in today's podcast will be different next week and the week after. And things will change as far as COVID requirements and vaccines and certificates and tests and all this. So we gave everything that we do uh, up to this point. And in fact, I still cannot confirm about uh, these rapid tests and if they are allowed to get back into the United States. Um, I will link to everything, as I say in the podcast, on under30experiences.com slash blog. Uh, but, you know, the government information, and we have to follow lots of different government information all different countries around the world and uh, and states for that matter and it's all different it's all changes there's not that much guidance it's usually just one website so we've tried to make sense of it all uh, but i am specifically saying that scott had mentioned that these rapid tests are coming out that are going to be available at walgreens that i think already are i haven't seen them personally on the shelves but it sounds like they are uh, for like $11, $12, you can get a COVID test and it just shows you right in front of you whether you have COVID or not, which is fantastic. Uh, however, will the, these just came out. So will this allow you back into the United States? I'm not sure. Uh, you're just going to have to keep up to date uh, for yourself. And yeah, that was the, the big thing that I wanted to say. Other than that, uh, get back, sit back, enjoy, because we have a great episode coming out for you. And if you're interested in supporting our small business as we get back on our feet, as we get rolling, we have tons of USA trips coming out uh, from Grand Canyon and Yellowstone and Yosemite, the Pacific Coast Highway, uh, Cadia National Park, the Great Smokies. That's a lot of domestic stuff that we are running. And then, of course, countries that are currently open we're talking about Mexico, Guatemala, Belize, Costa Rica, uh, Ecuador and the Galapagos. Peru, we're hoping, is going to uh, be available for us again soon. Greece just opened up. Um, we got good news coming up about Spain opening, I, I believe, Ju uh, June 4th. Um, the list goes on. Uh, we are just trying to do our best to stay on top of it because just as quickly as things shut down, things are opening up just as quickly. And so a lot to keep track of. But anyway, those are things off the top of my head uh, that you can book on under 30 experiences right now and that are actually open. So pretty exciting. Get ready for an awesome show. Thanks so much. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today I'm here with none other than Scott Kyes for the second time. He is the author of 
Take More Vacations and the founder of Scott's Cheap Flights. He was on uh, the Millennial Travel Podcast and Live Different Podcast now here uh, and will be on for the second time in an updated post COVID version. So I am uh, really excited to have you on, Scott, and talk about you. I see you got your Pfizer sticker uh, on right. there. That's right. You know, I, I, it's one of those things I'm just so happy and excited about. I don't want to take it off. It's almost like a, a lucky pair of socks. You just want to keep them on until uh, until they just finally all the glue just finally uh, evaporates and then <laughs> we'll know everything's back to normal. I, I, I certainly hope so. I guess this is a good place to start as, as good as place as any. Um, so you got your you got your jab, you got two jabs in you now. I've got my, both my jabs today. We are exactly two weeks out from my second shot. So I am feeling on top of the world, just a weight off my shoulders. And so thankful not only for myself, but love, you know, it's one of those things you're, you, when your family gets those shots, your friends get those shots, just seeing Scott's Cheap Flights members get those shots. It feels such a, just a celebratory moment as a, not just for, for, for the world, for the country, but as a return to uh, being able to do so many of those things we love to do, including take the sorts of travel and trips that uh, many of us haven't been able to over the past year. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, just the feeling where I could see my mom who lives across a state line and not have to, for a while we had to test and quarantine just to see my own mom. And um, that was, yeah, that was a big pain and not to mention the the obvious risks other than the the law, but um, yeah, glad to, happy to be here, happy to, uh, yeah, to start flying again. And that's, I think, what's going to be uh, the main topic of our conversation. But uh, first, I just got to ask you out of curiosity, your book is scheduled to launch. Uh, can you tell me the exact launch date? Is it out yet? Yeah. So take more vacations, how to search better, book cheaper and travel the world. Uh, it's the book I've been working on for two years now, and it's coming out finally on May 11th. Uh, so, so excited. Been a long time coming. You know, I get the question every single day, Scott, what's your secret? How do you find cheap flights? And so I decided finally it's time to write a book, not only kind of pulling together all my knowledge of, of how to find cheap flights, but then, then even going a lot larger than that why cheap flights are so life-changing, how to set yourself up to be getting those cheap flights, how they end up leading you to take happier vacations in addition to more vacations, and how they can end up uh, uh, completely uh, changing your travel life and making your, your even your in-between travel life so much happier as a result. And so that's why I was uh, writing this book. That's what kind of I was writing it for and so excited now that it's going to be coming out. That's great. And you, you've timed it now uh, off of big news that uh, European Union has, uh, I don't know if it's official, but they have announced uh, that they will be opening this summer. Um, God, how has it been trying to keep straight all the places uh, that are open and closed and flights are flying to? And where do you get your news from, Scott? I think that might be a fun place to start. Yeah, you know, what What I've really felt bad for are uh, folks who, who uh, you know, just trying to follow this as a normal average person. Like, it's literally my job to stay on top of that news. You know, what's happening in the travel world, where you can travel to, what the requirements are. And so I could spit you chapter and verse about 
most places around the world on what what it looks like right now. But to try to follow that is just an average, you know, person, you've got a job, you've got your home life, maybe kids, all this type of stuff, and then trying to remember, oh, you know, do I need to uh, get a negative test before my flight to, let's say, Jamaica, or do I not need to, you know, what's required to come back to the US. I can see why it's such a, feels like such a burden uh, for many folks and why, especially international travel is down so far from where it was uh, a year ago. And so the, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of green shoots right now. We're seeing a lot of countries start to reopen and especially giving fast lanes to people who have been vaccinated uh, that there, most countries that are reopening aren't actually saying you have to get vaccinated in order to visit. Instead, what they're uh, usually saying is that if you've been vaccinated, you get to go in the fast lane. You get to bypass any testing or quarantine requirement. If you've not been vaccinated, you're going to have to bring a negative test, or in some cases, you're going to have to quarantine upon arrival. But for uh, you know, all the more incentive, I think, for folks to get vaccinated and then be able to get back to those sort of normal international trips that we all used to love to take before the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And what are, what are you seeing um, right now as far as vaccine passports go? I know that this is kind of just a made up term, which is <laughs> right now we're just whatever I got at Walgreens, as far as I understand, that's my vaccine passport. Um, what, what are you seeing? Because there, there's efforts to digitize this. And I know this, like the, the state has a copy, of course, on a computer somewhere. Tell me more about that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I wish we had kind of come up with a better consensus term than vaccine passport, because I think it gets confusing for folks. A lot of folks think, oh, is this something I have to go out and buy? Do I have to go obtain a vaccine passport? We've seen a ton of misinformation on social media, uh, folks telling, you know, there was a viral video with over 4 million views telling people, if you want to travel internationally, you have to go get a yellow passport from the WHO uh, in order to show your, your COVID uh, uh, vaccination, that your white CDC card wouldn't uh, suffice. All of that is not true. The vaccine passport is this idea, again, of just giving a fast lane, a, a, a way of verifying that you have indeed been vaccinated. And everywhere right now around the world, every country that allows in vaccinated Americans and lets them skip any testing or quarantine requirement accepts your white CDC card. That's all you need. Just bring that white CDC card again, keep it safe, make sure you don't like lose it, damage it, spill stuff on it like I'm prone to do. Uh, keep it safe because that's going to be your ticket to be able to avoid those testing requirements if you're traveling to Iceland or Croatia or Greece or Belize or you know looking like throughout the European Union this summer. So it's not uh, uh, something again you, that you have to go out and buy. It's more of a concept of of being allowed certain privileges if you can show you've been vaccinated. Okay, great. That that's good to know, and I appreciate you peppering in how much misinformation there is out there. And uh, one of the things that I heard was that it is, uh, you know, the U.S. government did not want to make some big deal out of what the records were going to be like because they didn't want to dissuade anyone from getting uh, from getting vaccinated, right? Because obviously there are a large group of people who, for whatever reason, and that's their choice, who, who don't want to get vaccinated. But um, 
the the U.S. government, from what I've understood, what I understand, is saying that we're not going to force some type of big fancy passport system on the country and all that. We just want you to do your best, get the shot. Let's get herd immunity, immunity here and hope that this virus gets away. But the reward of getting that is being able to travel. Obviously, the huge reward is is the risk of you know uh, not. <laughs> not getting and spreading COVID. Uh, but yes, the travel is a, is not a bad reward either, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So one of the interesting things, and look, I think everybody that's eligible should go out and, and, and get vaccinated. It's, you know, I mean, it is such a miracle that we have these incredibly uh, effective vaccines that help stop this pandemic and let us return to normal life. And I'd love to see everybody be able to get it sooner rather than later so we can all get back to so uh, that normal life sooner rather than later. Um, domestic travel, it's almost certainly not going to require proof of vaccination. You can travel right now, you can get on a plane to 49 states without, not only without having to show proof of vaccination, you don't have to show a negative test either. Uh, the one exception is if you're flying to Hawaii, you do all travelers right now, even if you've been vaccinated, have to show a negative test. But uh, by this summer, uh, Hawaii is saying that they're planning to allow folks who have been vaccinated to bypass that testing uh, uh, requirement. So again, this, this sort of vaccine passport concept, giving a fast lane to folks who have been vaccinated, you're seeing it show up, uh, but likely probably will stay confined to Hawaii as far as domestic travel goes. I would not expect that there's going to be additional uh, states that mandate you have to get uh, show vaccines or a negative test in order to visit here. Hawaii's obviously in a pretty uh, unique position of being a, a an island, a group of islands in the middle of the ocean. Sure, no, that that makes sense. Um, now, how about airlines? Uh, let's see. One thing recently is the middle seat is now being uh, filled, it, it, and is that correct on all the major, at least the legacy carriers? Yeah, you know, Delta uh, was the last one to continue to block middle seats. They did so through the end of April, but now they're selling, uh, joining all the other airlines and selling flights to full capacity. Uh, so, and and while overall the average flight is still considerably less full from where it was pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic you saw planes on average 85 to 90% full. Now you see planes on average about 75% full. It's not exactly, uh, that's not to say that every given flight is 75% full. The flights to your sort of traditional tourist favorites, places like Hawaii, Florida, Cancun, are usually 100% full or close to it. Whereas some of the flights to uh, maybe more business-oriented cities that haven't quite seen the same rebound yet, places like San Francisco and New York, are, are liable to probably be less full than these sort of tourist favorites, tourist hotspots. Okay, great. And uh, just as a note, I heard today uh, that I believe July 1st, I didn't, here I am uh, talking about something that I didn't actually read the whole article, but July 1st, the headline from the New York Times was July 1st, New York City is supposed to be 100% open, or at least that's the... That's right. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that in the, this quote is even a, a couple months old at this point, um, but Dr. Ashish Jha, the, the dean of the Brown uh, University School of Public Health, uh, saying that, you know, look, 
even as the the pandemic is not fully over in the U.S., it's waning down. And so, you know, his quote was that the summer of 2021 is going to look a lot more like the summer of 2019 than the summer of 2020. Like we, even you know, it, it that this summer, I think we are looking forward to a really, really good one. But it, but again, continuing to get vaccinated, continuing the this uh, uh, vaccine rollout is key to letting us all uh, be able to get back to that sense of normalcy. Absolutely. No, that that's great. And um, Scott, are there, there were rumors, and I didn't follow this too closely, but that there were going to be flights that you could go on that were just, you had to test in to get on that flight, like a little, uh, you know, COVID free pod. Did that ever happen? Um, or are those maybe, maybe that's kind of an obsolete idea now that uh, we're getting towards the end of COVID. Yeah, you saw a couple airlines in a couple countries experiment with that type of thing. So there are different ways. I mean, there's some that have experimented with only allowing folks who have been vaccinated on board, some that have uh, rapid tests and say everybody on board has to take a rapid test before uh, they board this this flight. You're not uh, seeing that in any widespread manner. And, it, and, and to my uh, understanding and knowledge, it has basically not been um, implemented in any widespread fashion that for the vast, vast, vast majority of flights, uh, any requirements to be on board are essentially reflective of the requirements of where you're flying to. So if you're flying somewhere that requires a recent negative test, you are going to have to show that negative test to the airline officials before you depart on your initial flight. Or if you're flying somewhere that lets, uh, like Iceland, that lets you bypass that lengthy quarantine requirement if you've been vaccinated, you're going to have to show that proof of vaccination to the airport uh, and airline officials when you get to your departure airport, much in the same way that if you're traveling internationally, uh, the first person to ask for your passport isn't the border officials at your destination. It's the airline official before you fly out because they want to make sure that you're actually allowed in where you're going. Otherwise, the airline might be responsible for flying you home and they don't want to have to deal with that. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that, well, that's why they always ask for your visa before you arrive somewhere, because I, I think they, they're actually subject to fines in a lot of places if they arrive uh, with people that cannot uh, get into the country. So mm. uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And wow, Scott, you, <laughs> you're really on top of this stuff. And I'm going to keep asking things that I haven't had the chance to actually fully look into, um, because there's just... I don't know, like, obviously, this is our jobs, yours are specifically uh, relate, yours is specifically related to flying, but there is so much information, and it changes so fast. Um, yeah, it's one of those things right now, you know, it, it's, it's much more uh, uh, in flux and uncertain and just kind of tumultuous, the travel scene compared to what it was pre-pandemic. And so that's not to say travel, travel is very, very possible. One of the things that I try to impress on folks, you know, is it's not the case that international travel is shut down. There are uh, uh, dozens and dozens, I mean, probably over 75, 80, 90 countries you could fly to this afternoon as an American. Uh, it just takes a little bit more pre-planning to check on what the COVID requirements are uh, uh, than that didn't exist before the pandemic. But again, may, uh, perhaps a small price to pay for those of us who haven't been able to take the trips we really wanted to over the last year 
and are excited to be able to do so again, especially after we've been vaccinated. No, that that's great. Um, I saw something recently that there were going to be rap, rapid tests at airports now. Did you catch? Uh, did you catch this one at all? A handful of U.S. domestic airports were were installing. Uh, rapid tests, but I didn't quite know what they might be used for. Perhaps if people were flying into the States and needed to get tested or, or retested. Uh, do you, did you hear about that at all, Scott? Yeah. So this is one of those things that um, airports have largely set up uh, uh, different testing opportunities uh, depending on the airport. Generally speaking, these are not covered by insurance, they're generally not free. You generally have to pay out of pocket for them. But if you are traveling somewhere, maybe the uh, test that you had brought with you either expired because it was too far uh, in advance or, or you, know, you forgot the documentation or something, this can be helpful to make sure that you're able to still take the trip rather than uh, uh, you know, not being able to bring that negative test. Uh, if it's required where you're going and having to cancel the the, the vacation. So, you know, it's going to vary significantly uh, airport to airport, and especially depending on what the requirements are of where you're flying to, because for instance, some countries you can fly to any one of these 15 minute rapid antigen tests are accepted, but other places you're going to have to get a uh, lengthier, more expensive uh, PCR test. And so again, going to vary uh, depending on where you're flying. If you're flying back to the U.S., for instance, they accept either one. You know, you do have to show a negative test, even if you've been vaccinated right now. I think that's going to change sometime in the next few months. I think vaccinated Americans will be able to bypass that requirement. But right now, you do have to show a negative test, but they can be either a PCR test or one of the rapid antigen tests. Okay, yeah, that that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. And do you know how much um, we're really getting into the weeds here? I guess, but do you know approximately how much the uh, rapid tests are? Because you know the uh, the the bigger tests, the longer tests that takes PCR take uh, can that can be close to one hundred and fifty dollars. Do you know if it's if it's che- a lot cheaper um, for the rapid test? Yeah, it's going to depend on where you're buying them. Some of the airports are going to have them be much more expensive. Uh, if you, one of the great things is that they just approved, uh, the FDA approved these rapid antigen tests for uh, selling over the counter retail without needing uh, a, 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 neither a prescription nor a um, monitoring uh, a medical official. Essentially, it's the same as a home pregnancy test where you can just take it yourself, see the result and, and be on your way. And so those rapid antigen tests that are being sold over the counter, I've seen price points as low as as $10 per test. Usually they're sold in a pack of two. And so again, a a significantly cheaper price point than you're seeing with the PCR test. But one of the uh, um, really, I think, helpful things for a lot of international travelers, knowing this requirement coming back to the US, a lot of hotels and resorts, especially in Mexico, are actually providing tests complementary to their guests. So they're saying, you come vacation in Cancun, in Cabo, in Puerto Vallarta, and before your flight back to the US, we have a testing site on, you know, on site here in the resort 
uh, come get your test, get your results and be able to fly back to the US without having to try to figure out where do I get a test in, in Cancun or Cabo or Puerto Vallarta where you might not know, you know the, the local customs, you might not speak Spanish. It could be a lot more difficult. That's why the hotels and resorts are trying to make it as seamless and simple as possible. Oh, that's, that's really nice because in now in all our itineraries internationally for under 30 experiences, we have built in, okay, here's where in the itinerary, where the best place to get tested in the country. And um, yeah, it's logistically, especially because, you know, we could be in the rainforest in Costa Rica. It's not like you can just walk in anywhere and, and get a test. Um, and just to double check, with you as of uh, the today's recording, they're not accepting rapid tests to get back to the states. You still have to do PCR. Is that correct? No, my understanding is that you the rapid tests actually are accepted for travel back to the U.S. Now, you know, double check the exact requirements. It might need to be performed by a medical official, but okay. that the rapid antigen tests are accepted for flying back to the U.S. Okay. No, this is good news, and um, I'm going to try to link up a bunch of these resources for everybody in the show notes. Uh, so under30experiences.com slash blog, and uh, you will see Scott's uh, shiny face on there. Shiny, I don't know why I used that word. Your face is sh shiny. I, I guess to think I'm shining. Sh shining, <laughs> shining faces. I said shiny, like, uh, I don't know, like there was a glare on you. Shining face, there's, there's the word I needed. Um, small difference, I guess. But anyhow, uh, I'm going to link up tests and resources and stuff like that, because just a few months ago, before this type of technology was available, you know, you and, and it seemed like a, a, a miracle, even that somebody could ship a, a test kit to your house overnight express mail and you could do the swab and put it back. And then within 24 hours, you would get the result. Granted, it was $150, which, uh, you know, that adds to your travel budget. Scott. You flew to Milan on your first trip, uh, your first trip as Scott from Scott's Cheap Flights, or that's what the, where this whole thing began for less than it cost for that PCR test. That's a hundred, it was a $130 flight. Did I get that right? That, that's right. So, I mean, one of the, you know, most bizarre life twists I've ever encountered was back in 2013 when I was not work, I was not a flight expert. I was not Scott's from Scott's Cheap Flights. Uh, I was actually just working as a journalist at the time. I was uh, covering uh, uh, politics and elections and wanting to really travel internationally, be able to visit you know, Europe and Asia and all these amazing places around the world that I just frankly couldn't afford to do if I was paying full price for. Like it was not those those thousand dollar tickets were, were, were uh, just laughably out of my budget. And so over time, you know, I kind of put on my journalist hat and started trying to investigate. Why are flights so like volatile? Why, you know, one day it's $1,000, next day it's $300, the next day it's $750. Why is it always jumping up and down? But also, what are all the things that I can do to make sure that I don't overpay for flights? How, what can I do? I knew people were getting cheap flights out there, but I had no idea how they were actually getting them. And, uh, you know, so I started just digging into the research, watching flights, going on message boards, chatting with folks, just really kind of like immersing myself in this world. 
it all culminated in 2013 when I got uh, the best deal of my life. Still to this day, that $130 round trip flight to Milan, uh, New York City to Milan for 130 bucks, nonstop round trip on United, included a couple check bags. Like it was amazing. The funny thing about that trip, I had no intention to go to Milan. Like I woke up that morning with, I had never thought about flying to Milan. And I went to bed that night, the proud owner of a $130 flight to Milan. When I got back from this trip, I mean, it was an amazing trip, you know, went to an AC Milan soccer game, went up to Lake Como, went skiing in the Alps and hiked in Cinque Terre. When I got back, all my friends and coworkers that kept coming up to me, hey, Scott, I heard about that great deal you got. Uh, hey, listen, next time you find a deal like that, can you let me know so I can get in on it too? And so rather than trying to remember every single person I needed to let know, it's like, why don't I just start a simple little email list? And this way, anytime I find a great deal, I can just let everybody know at once. Uh, in that moment, Scott's Cheap Flights was born, but I had no idea because it, this was just a hobby. It was just something I was doing for fun, uh, uh, for the love of the game. And it wasn't for another kind of 18, 24 months that it grew large enough that I had to start to think about it. Huh. I wonder if there's a, a, a business opportunity here. And then finally launched uh, what became Scott's Cheap Flights. Wow, that's great, Scott. And I will link uh, also to our previous podcast. You share a couple more stories from your early days, I believe, uh, in there. And this was a great transition from COVID because, God, I think everybody is probably tired of hearing you. Had, <laughs> of course, you gave really nice uh factual, uh, up-to-date information, but I'm happy to talk about the future now and uh, as we get back to the the uh, new normal. And um, I love that quote from the guy from Brown University uh, there mm -hmm. about how 2021 summer will look more like 2019 than it does than it uh, does 2020. So mm. um, Scott, in your, in your book, uh, you, and I think you even used this already on, uh, on this podcast, you say something about happier trips. Mm. And I don't know, that just struck me. It was just a really, it was just um, a, a clever saying, or maybe clever is not the right word, but uh, for whatever reason, I said, well, I want to take happier trips. So what can you, can you tell everybody what you actually uh, mean by happier trips? Yeah. Let me, let me, let me give you an example. Um, nor before this Milan flight, most trips that I took were filled with a mix of excitement and also a sense of just pressure and dread and a sense of this kind of self-imposed I need to make sure I'm, I'm enjoying myself enough on this trip to justify the expense of the flight over here. And so if I paid $1,000 to fly to Europe, every moment of that trip, I was thinking, am I enjoying myself enough to, to make that $1,000 flight worth it? And, and you know, not only was that a sort of uh, a corrosive uh, uh thought process because you're sitting there just, you know, you're supposed to unwind and relax and enjoy yourself on vacation. But if you're putting pressure, be happier, enjoy yourself more, that doesn't exactly uh, lead itself to a, a good outcome there. But so when I got this $130 flight to Milan instead, it was like that weight had been completely lifted. All of a sudden I was taking this trip that I felt like was virtually free. 
you know, I was playing with house money because it cost so little to get here that I felt not only did I feel no sense of pressure that I had to enjoy myself and as a result ended up enjoying it even more, but I could also take a much better vacation as well because I had, you know, I'd saved $750 on flights. So what does it matter if I buy another, you know, uh, uh, Aperol spritz or I splurge for the truffle linguine or whatever it is, you can take a much better vacation when you save all that money on the flight over there. So not only do you not have that same sense of pressure, you don't have that, you get uh, a, a much more sort of sense of flexibility with your pocketbook, but then you also get to really be happier between vacations because when you pay uh, uh, you know, when you get a cheap flight and when you make cheap flights, you're sort of North Star for your vacations and are able to take more vacations as a result. What happens is vacations go from something you take once a year to something you take three or four times a year. And what that means is when you get back from your vacation, we've all had that sort of post-vacation hangover. Oh, I can't play back to work, man. I missed the beach, missed the cocktails. That was great. Um, when you get back, it sucks when it's 11 months until your next trip, when you do once a year. But when you're taking three or four trips a year, as soon as you get back, you're just right back in that cycle where you're planning again, you're excited for the next trip because it's not that far away. You know, three months from now is the middle of summer. Like it already starting to warm up here. I can feel it. And that trip, next trip is already coming. And so you end up being happier between your trips as well as being happier on your trip. I was actually, you know, I've long been a, a, a real cheap flight aficionado, but one of the reasons why I'm out here preaching the gospel of cheap flights is just realizing in, in sitting down and doing this research, research and taking on this book project, realizing just how life-changing they really can be. Like I thought, oh yeah, you know, cheap flights are great. They save you some money. No, no, no. They, they transform everything. You take better vacations, happier vacations, more of them. You're happier after. You get to visit more interesting and varied and diverse places because when you take four trips a year rather than one, you can take a risk on somewhere more off the beaten path. You know, some of my favorite trips have been to places like Lithuania and Taiwan and Trinidad and Tobago that are not on the, you know, traditional uh, tourist favorite uh, uh, bucket list, but ended up being some of my favorite trips because they gelled with me personally rather than with the average tourist. But if you're only taking a one trip a year, you're not necessarily willing to take that risk because it's a high, it's a much higher stakes and you go end up going to the more sort of traditional favorites, Hawaii, Florida, Paris. Not that these aren't wonderful places, but they might, the places that jibe with the average tourist might not be the same that jibe with you individually, you know, you the person. And so being able to test and, 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 and try these places out uh, more because you're taking more trips is a real, uh, a real joy and a real blessing. Well, no, that's great. And we, we always hear from our travelers that are under 30 experiences that they're looking forward to travel. Uh, they need something to look forward to, something on their calendar. And when they get back, they're like, oh, geez, you know, like you said, they're, it's so sad to go back and sit in your cubicle or wherever or, or be upstairs like the, the crazy old man in his attic that I feel like now uh, in the in the home office. And um yeah, geez. Did, now, Scott, did you have uh, 2020 plans? Um, I'm sure you. I'm sure you did. And then I got to ask, 
what are your 2021 plans? So I had 2020 was going to be the year of Scott. Oh no. I was traveling, planning to travel so much. I had so, you know, I, had, uh, I was going to take my first trip to France. I was going to go to Switzerland. I was going to go to uh, visit family in Belarus. I was going to go to uh, down to Mexico, over to New England during the fall foliage season, um, Philadelphia. I had so many trips that got waylaid. And, and you know, I'm, this isn't a boohoo, woe is me, but um, I think one of the things that really uh, got to so many of us over this past year, you know, we've been making so many personal sacrifices to combat the virus as we, sh- as uh, you know, rightfully so. But, and for many of us, one of those sacrifices has been not being able to take the trips that in normal times we so look forward to. And one of the things that I like, uh, uh, I don't think I'd fully appreciated before sitting down to write this book and, and, and you know, that I really go in depth in, in the book is just how important the anticipation of a trip is to our own kind of personal happiness and the way that we think of travel. You know, we, we, we often make the mistake of thinking of travel as just something you enjoy during the trip itself. You know, you book a week in Hawaii and you just enjoy that week. And what we don't give enough sort of deference or, 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 or what we short shrift is the fact that you get actually get more happiness from the weeks and months of anticipation of that trip than you do during the actual week itself. And you actually get more joy and happiness from the months and years after that trip where you get to look back on it and smile and remember that great, you know, beach dinner you had, remember that awesome, you know, rainforest hike you took, Uh, all these wonderful memories that especially are oftentimes a little bit rosier in retrospect, or we get to kind of daydream a little bit more before the, uh, uh, before the fact than are sometimes actually how it plays out in reality when we're on the trip. And so that anticipation, that joy of excitement about a trip upcoming was something that was really robbed from, from uh, so many people over this past year. And I think kind of took a toll on a lot of folks not being able to have a trip to look forward to, a trip on the calendar. And you know, what is it that makes a trip go from something that you just, oh, maybe that'd be cool to go to Paris. What is it that takes it from a dream to, to something that actually feels real and tangible? It's booking your flights. It's, a, you know, it's not planning, it's not daydreaming. It's literally getting the flights booked. That's what takes it from an idea to a reality. And so I think now as, uh, uh, you know, people are getting vaccinated, as things are improving, have being able to book those trips again and being able to take advantage of those deals again is leading to so much more happiness and excitement of, of better days to come. So for me, you know, to, uh, uh, looking forward this year, I've got a number of trips upcoming. I mean, I'm uh, uh, actually going out to the Oregon coast this weekend to take my daughter to an aquarium there. Really, really excited for that. Um, but then bigger trips, I mean, I've got flights to Spain in June that I've been watching like a hawk, uh, to see whether the borders are open. And it looks like they almost certainly will be at this point. So I'm feeling very, uh, excited about that. I've got, uh, going up to Seattle down to, uh, uh, Cabo in September. Like I've got a lot of trips, uh, uh, looking forward to now that I feel like I've been almost on a travel binge, uh, uh, after getting vaccinated and starting to feel like, yeah. Let's go. You know, we're back. Let's travel again. Totally. The, the snap back, as we've been talking about, geez, for a year now, it's, it's finally getting here. Uh, Scott, I know you only have about 10 minutes left 
here and I want to get to uh, some actionable stuff for folks. We had a bunch of questions come in from listeners from the Under 30 Experiences community. And so I want to uh, run through a few things that people, some assumptions or some rumors that people make about travel or uh, urban legends, maybe we mm. can call them. So uh, I'm gonna start with this one, fact or fiction. Using an incognito window helps you save money. Fiction. Um, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to make your fares any 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 more expensive, but it's not going to make them cheaper. And 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 you know the to test this. This is a long long held myth that you need to clear your cookies. That the airlines are tracking you. They're jacking up the price if they think you want to book. To test this, I took a flight. Denver to London and I searched it once, it was 440 bucks. I searched it twice, it was still 440 bucks. I searched it 100 times. And on that hundredth time, just like the first time, it was $440. Um, the airline is, airfare is extremely volatile. And so when the price changes, I think many folks mistakenly assume there's a sort of Truman show thing happening. Oh, the airline's watching me and they're trying to jack up the price on me. When in reality, what's actually happening is that the prices just constantly change on airfare. It's much like the stock market rather than, you know, like a gallon of milk where the price is pretty stable. And so it's not that they're tracking your cookies. Uh, it's, it's not going to help you at all. But, you know, if you feel more comfortable, if, if you'd sleep better at night to search an incognito, knock yourself out. It's not going to make flights any more expensive. Okay, great. Uh, now, this one comes from Victoria and she says, I've heard Tuesdays are the best booking, uh, best for booking because they update the fares, but she says she's never noticed the difference. Is this fact mm. or fiction? Yeah, this is also fiction, it, but this is one of those myths that has the benefit of used to being true. So 20 years ago, when airlines first started selling their tickets online, they really did load them generally once a week at a predetermined time, like Tuesday at 1 p.m. And so if you were one of the first people to book, once those new fares got released, you really could get uh, uh, some of the best fares. The problem is that that dynamic has not been true for years. Nowadays, uh, uh, airfare is being driven algorithmically. It's not something that's manually loaded once a week. And so it's changing today, you know, by the day, sometimes by the hour, if not by the minute. Um, there's no single best time to book cheap flights. The good news though, is that cheap flights are popping up all the time. You don't have to plan to book uh, on any given day in advance. Uh, you can know that any given day might be your day for cheap flights. But the last thing I'll note here is that Oftentimes it gets a little conflated when we talk about cheapest day for flights, because while there's no cheapest day or cheapest time to book flights, there are cheapest days uh, and months to travel, to actually take flights. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday are typically the cheapest days to fly. Uh, January through March and September, October are chip, typically the cheapest months to fly. Uh, but even though you know those are usually the cheapest, I, I don't want folks to overlearn that and assume it's always the case. You know, the analogy I draw is that, uh, look, LeBron James is favored to win every single time he steps on a basketball court, but that doesn't mean that he never loses a game. You know, Tuesday flights are generally cheapest, but that doesn't mean that they're always cheapest. Okay, great. Makes, makes plenty of sense. Uh, thank you there, Scott. And uh, a, a question from Andrew. It says, uh, what are your three top favorite booking sites? Mm. Um, so 
I generally, I, I like to, to differentiate between places where you search for flights and places where you book flights. I almost always prefer to book directly with an airline. And the reason why is that if anything goes wrong with your ticket, if you need to change it, if the flight schedule gets changed, if it gets canceled, this or that, it's a, it's a, you know, a thousand times easier to deal with if you're just dealing directly with the airline than if you're having to deal with a middleman as well as the airline, because the the uh, third party sellers policies might be pretty different than the airline policies, but you have to try to deal with both of them. So if, you know, all things being equal, I generally try to book directly with an airline, but my favorite place to search for flights, I'll, I'll do you better. I'll just give you one Google flights. And the reason why is that just has the best user interface. I find it's the fastest, the most powerful. Um, but the, the kind of hidden secret is that it really doesn't matter where you search for flights. The fare, there's no one site that's always cheapest. The fares are usually basically exactly the same, whether you're searching on Google Flights or Expedia or, or, or Priceline or Orbitz or direct with the airline. I just like to search on some of the meta search sites like Google Flights because you get to search all the airlines and see you know, what, what the cheapest fares are across a, a, a month's worth of dates rather than if you search on delta.com, you're only seeing Delta and their partner flights. Okay, great. And one uh, uh, nuance that I'm not sure is still true, but I think it is that the individual airlines are withholding a lot of flights uh, at least pre-COVID for uh, from the search engines, right? Like uh, Southwest, I think famously just doesn't work with uh, Google Flights. Um, and yeah, Southwest is a great example. This is the one kind of holdout where you won't find any Southwest flights or any Southwest fares on the flight search engines. You have to go and search directly on Southwest.com for those. Okay, but like uh, Delta is w withholding some fares. I heard. Uh, have you heard about this, Scott? Um, not like I, I. Not something I'm, I'm especially well attuned to. Generally speaking, you're gonna see uh, um, the the same general inventory, uh, regardless of where you're searching. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I heard. Uh, differently. So I'm going to link up if there's any resources that I can share with everybody that that says anything else. Um, because yeah, people, re people really like to search and, and know. Um, and I'll share that with you if I find sure. something that we, we can find is true, just to give people who are listening the very best information that we can through, through the podcast. Um, okay, just a, a couple quick more. Um, mm -hmm. How can I find more? This is from Bunny. How can I find more reasonably priced business class flights. Mm. So, I mean, first of all, it's a little bit of expectation setting, you know, business class, like a typical uh, business class flight to Europe is not going to be twice as expensive or three times more expensive than an economy uh, class, especially if basic economy. It's usually like five to 10 times more expensive. I mean, it, you know, a normal business class flight to Europe is going to be between 2000 and $2,500. And so you're coming, you got to come in with expectations that it is ex exceptionally higher priced. Um, but the same sort of principles apply as to trying to get a cheap flight in general. The more flexibility you can give yourself, the better, the more kind of lead way in booking. If you try to book 
you know, three weeks before your flight, you're going to have a bad time. You're not going to find many cheap flights. Whereas if you start searching, you know, four, five, six, seven months ahead of time, you're much more likely to find a good deal. And then obviously, you know, remembering to sign up for Scott's cheap flights as soon as those great, really cheap fares do pop up, we're going to find it and we're going to send out an alert, even if it's a great deal in business class. Okay, great. And this person is already on your list. She says, I found uh, found some through your email newsletter a couple of years ago, and it was true paradise. So you have a happy testimonial there, ah, Scott. I love it. Yeah, those five, I think it might've been those $560 round trip business class flights uh, from the US to Southeast Asia, to Bangkok and Bali and elsewhere. Just an unbelievable deal. Okay, great. And um, yeah, I would point people for business class flights uh, perhaps to uh, to rewards points. I was just able mm. to book something. We have a one-year-old daughter and uh, sitting in economy, is it's it can be tight or especially for the poor person sitting next to my wife and I. So uh, with American Express Platinum, we were able to get that play with points and get that 35% uh, disc or it's a points back. And so that was really helpful. So I jumped at that, especially as, as they were fairly low right now. Yeah. I think, I think booking with, you know, points and miles are generally one of the most accessible ways to be able to book business in first class, uh, uh seats. You know, it, it, it's not without, you need to learn the, the system and the processes. There are a lot of great sites out there that help kind of walk you through how to earn, uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles and use them, uh, to get good value. But um, if, you know, if you, if you enjoy that, as I do, I love the points and miles game. Uh, it can be one of the kind of most accessible and least kind of expense out of pocket to try to fly business class, especially internationally. Awesome, Scott. Well, I know I need to let you go here. Uh, again, the name of your book is Take More Vacations and it's Scott's Cheap Scott's cheapflights.com and we can provide a link. Um, yeah, we can provide a link in the under 30 experiences blog there on the show notes. Uh, Scott, is there anything uh, else you'd like to say to our audience or anywhere they can connect with you in the future? Uh, no, you know, it's so excited to get back to travel. And if you would love to get to know when there are cheap flights popping up out of your home airport, it would be our honor to let you know it's just scottscheapflights.com. This is what we love to do every day. And getting to live vicariously through your trips is uh, genuinely the happiest part of my day. Well, Scott, thank you for helping our travelers. Uh, we really appreciate it. Always awesome to talk. You were a wealth of knowledge today. Likewise. Thanks, Matt. Great chatting with you. Thank you, everybody.